Well, good afternoon. Appreciate you joining me for today's podcast. Today is Wednesday, July the 7th. Uh, I was out last week on vacation, so we didn't do a podcast last week, uh, but uh, we're picking up um, and looking at uh, 1 John chapter 3 uh, today. So thank you for joining me for this time of looking at God's Word and studying God's Word. We're going to go all the way through uh, all of John's letters. 1 John is the longest, and then the second two are just one chapter each, just several verses each. But we're going to look and see and discover uh, a lot of God's truths and what He has for us today. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, that what was written 2,000 years ago still has so much application for us today. Uh, And really, it shouldn't be all that amazing because God is the author of all that we have, and He continues to speak into our lives, and these truths speak into who we are as, uh, as human beings, speaks to our heart condition. So thank you for joining me, and we're going to study through this. If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, open up to 1 John chapter 3. We're just looking at four verses today, verses 21 through 24. That'll take us to the end of chapter 3, but there's much that we can gain uh, from this study. Let's go to Lord in prayer, and we'll dive into looking at God's Word together this afternoon. Father, I come before you right now, and I do thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. I thank you for working in and through John's life to speak to the people of his day, the truths they needed to know about you, and Father, how these truths apply to us today, what we can learn as we seek to discern your wisdom and your will for our lives. Help us to seek after you and strive to know you and love you better each and every day. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray, amen. I do pray that you had a great 4th of July and you were able to celebrate uh, with family, with friends. Um, And one of the great freedoms that we have in this country is that we can study God's Word together. So uh, I'm looking forward to to looking at today's lesson. Uh, Let's just jump in and uh, look at at these verses uh, by reading them first. And then I'm just going to pull them apart a little bit and uh, and look at what we can learn uh, from these verses. So 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 21, John writes, He says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another, just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God and God in Him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Uh, Just those simple four verses. But as you think about these, I want to start off by just prompting you to, to think with me for just a minute. What role does the attitude of either condemnation or confidence have in being victorious? Uh, And this is in in anything in life. Uh, Obviously, John is talking about a a condemning heart versus a confidence before God. Uh, But when you think about this principle of condemnation versus confidence, uh, this is part of what we deal with on an everyday basis. Uh, One of the things that Susan and I did on our uh, vacation a week ago, uh, we went and saw a movie. And the the movie we saw was one I hadn't heard anything about. And uh, I don't typically endorse movies, and this isn't necessarily an endorsement of this movie, but it was a uh, a good movie, an inspirational movie. It was based on true events. Uh, the title of the movie was uh, 12 Mighty Orphans, and it's based on a, a, a true events uh, from back in the uh, early 1900s about uh, 12 orphans who 
formed a football team, uh, and actually went to a, a state championship. Now, as movies have to do, they had to condense a lot of things and put a lot of things together. But basically, what the one of the main contrasts in this movie of the Twelve Mighty Orphans was: these boys, uh, part of this orphanage, uh, felt condemned. They had lost parents. They were living during the Great Depression. Uh, many of them had been dropped off by one parent or the other simply because the parents couldn't uh, provide for them, and so they were hoping this orphanage could provide for them. And so you hear you had a bunch of orphan boys uh, that had no real motivation. They felt like the world had rejected. Them, They had this mentality of being condemned. And you had this football coach that came in. He was very successful in Temple, Texas, and he actually took what many would call a demotion from uh, a very successful uh, environment to go to this orphanage to help these boys. And he knew that football, if they could learn to be confident, if they could learn to to do something well, that that would give them confidence in many other areas in their life. I'm not going to tell you the whole plot line of the story and, and, and the movie, uh, but it, it does speak to this idea behind being an attitude of being condemned, like you're not worth anything, as opposed to being confident that you can accomplish great things. Here, John is saying in the context of our relationship with with God, if our hearts condemn us, if we're not in a right attitude, if we're not in a right position with God, then we aren't going to be able to accomplish anything. But we're given a couple promises here in this passage of Scripture. Two promises that we see from from John, and and this is how he's fleshing out this short little letter, five chapters, what we have, uh, to to the church of his day. He says, here's two promises you can have from God, is first of all, you can have confidence before God, and secondly, God will answer your prayers. Now, there's some qualifiers to that, um, but we'll get to those in just a minute. But here John is saying to this people, you can have a good standing before God. And and when you think about this, many of these people were coming either out of a a Jewish background or a pagan background. Uh, And in both mentalities, the way they had developed uh, was a a works-type mentality. And oftentimes, they they didn't have great confidence as they went before their God. Uh, The pagans were continually having to try to figure out what would please the gods, and when their crops weren't uh, producing, when they were dealing with times of famine, or uh, if uh, they weren't making a lot of money, uh, or if they weren't having children, uh, there was always they were always thinking, what what have we done wrong? And so we've got to try to appease whatever god it was that controlled these different things, and try to make him happy so that we can get the things that we want. And so they continually uh, dealt with this idea of. God doesn't like me. I have to try to appease God, uh, that that there's real no confidence before God, uh, and who knows what the day is going to bring uh, each and every day. And so it was a constant struggle, even for the Jews as they worked into this wrong mentality of God in, in much of their structure was they were just trying to please God. They were trying to placate God uh, rather than trying to truly serve God with their whole hearts. And so they had this works mentality. I have to offer the right sacrifices. I have to do it in the right way at the right time, in the right place, uh, and they had lost that confidence that God truly loves them for who they are and, and where they are. So th- that's huge thing for John to write to, to the people of his day. He says, you can have an attitude of confidence before God, not an attitude of arrogance, 
not a narrative, not an attitude of entitlement. Uh, both of those are, are wrong in, in looking at God, but we can have a confidence that God loves us and God cares for us. In fact, he's set this out in in this letter. Uh, He starts the letter, those first four verses of chapter one. Uh, He says, this is Jesus Christ whom I have known intimately. I uh, walked with him. I talked with him. Uh, I was there during his miracles. Uh, John is saying, you can trust my testimony because this is a personal experience I've had with him. And he says, I'm writing these things to you so that your joy can be complete. And as you believe in this, our joy will be complete. And so the premise of this this letter is learning what it looks like to have a right relationship with God. And so he gives this wonderful promise that we can have confidence in coming before our Lord and Savior, that God loves us and we don't have to continually be earning somehow uh, his his goodness and and his pleasure with us. Uh, He loves us for who we are and where we are. So that's the first thing. And then he says this other promise. He says, God will answer your prayers. Uh, Again, one of those things that, that, again, we'll dig deeper into this here in just a second. But uh, they didn't always weren't always guaranteed that with other religions. So he's saying here, God does hear and God will respond to you. But there are some qualifiers given to these promises. And here's the qualifiers. And and really, they go hand in hand. They they meld together here. But it's about keeping his commandments and doing what pleases him. And And I do think there's a little bit of a distinction here between these two. Well, if we keep his commandments, we're going to be doing what pleases him. But you have to keep his commandments in, in a right way, in, in, in a proper way. I shared a simple story. I've shared this story on myself uh, a number of times. Back when I was a teenager, I was 16, 17 years old. I remember I was still living in Ohio. Uh, and I, I did something that on the outside looked really, really good. I had gone to McDonald's. I had gotten my food. I was about to leave McDonald's. And there was a lady uh, that was broke down with a flat tire. Uh, and so I stopped and I helped her change her tire. And she was just very appreciative of the fact that uh, I would get out of my car and I would change this tire for her. And she just thanked me. And I think she even offered to give me something. And I said no uh, to that. And uh, and I went off. And so that lady thought, man, what a nice young man. Well, I did a good thing. And it was a good thing for me to help her change her tire. It was a cold day. It was rainy, snowy up there in um, Ohio that day. But I knew what was going on in my heart. I did a good thing, but I didn't do it for the right reason. The reason I changed that lady's tires because she was blocking the road, uh, getting out, and I couldn't get around her. And so really the reason I changed her tire was so that I could get out, not because I wanted to really help her, but because she was in my way, and that was the best way I could see to, to, to get going on, on my way. Now, it looked good, but the attitude wasn't right, and, and the reason wasn't right. Sometimes we can do that with God's commands. Yes, we may do the things he tells us to do, but what's in our heart? Why are we doing those things? Uh, I have matured since that time, and and I will help people just to help people, even when I don't have to help people uh, today. Uh, and that's a, that is a maturity process, not only physically, but also spiritually. And, and so here John says that the qualifiers for these two promises of having confidence before God and, and having our prayers answered are keeping his commands. So you got to know his commands first if you're going to keep them. 
and then doing what pleases him, where your motivation, your goal is to truly make God happy, to say, I want to please him. I want him to uh, to, to have the, that, that pleasure of knowing that I'm doing this because I want to, not because I have to, but because I get to, because this is something I ought to do, and I ought to do it because I want to do it. Uh, so that's an important understanding of, of what John is writing here in this letter. So when you think about this, let's kind of unpack this just a little bit more. Uh, I titled this lesson just Condemnation, Confidence, and Commandments. Uh, those three C's are uh, in these four verses. I want to go back to what he first said about our hearts not condemning us. I think it's very important to understand what is being said here about our hearts and, and our hearts not condemning us. When when John says that, this doesn't mean that uh, you're just ignorant of, of, of things and the reason your heart doesn't condemn you is because you don't know any better. Uh, he's not saying here that uh, this is an attitude of self-reliance, that, you know, my heart, does, I'm, my heart doesn't condemn me because, you know, I have the willpower to do this and I'm strong enough and I'm smart enough, I'm brave enough, whatever it might be. It's not an attitude of self-reliance uh, and, and it's not an attitude of just affirmation that somebody has said that's okay. Uh, we have many people in this world that because we want people to feel good about themselves and we want to encourage people a lot of times, we will affirm actions that aren't good actions uh, simply to uh, make them so somehow feel a little bit better. So uh, our hearts not condemning us is not just an affirmation from somebody else or even uh, from, from the law. You know, there are things that are legal to do that aren't right to do. There are things that you can do that legally there won't be any consequences. You won't go to jail. You won't have a fine. You won't get a ticket, uh, any any of those kinds of things because our society has said these things are uh, allowable in, in our society. But just because they're allowable by our laws does not necessarily make them right to do. But some people will say, well, if it's legal, uh, then what's the problem? Why can't I do what I want to do? Uh, so it's not that kind of affirmation either, that simply because our laws don't condemn it doesn't mean it's not condemned. Uh, and, and it's not a justification of, of our actions. Well, you know what? I had to do this because I didn't have another choice. Uh, almost always we have other choices. We may not like the consequences from those choices, but we do have choices that, that need to be made. And sometimes we can justify, well, yeah, I know that's not quite right, but I'm going to do it anyway uh, because it's easier to do or because this is where I am and we can somehow justify what we do. Uh, so it's not a condemnation or a lack of condemnation because we've somehow rationalized it in our own minds, justified in our own minds. Uh, something I heard years ago, I think it was maybe Josh McDowell that said this, um, and, and that may not be who it was, but so this wasn't original to me. But when we rationalize something, all we are trying to do, all we're doing is making rational lies. Uh, they're still lies. They're, they're, they're not true, but somehow we have twisted them in our mind to make them somehow right or acceptable. So it's not about a justification or a rationalization uh, where our hearts don't condemn us. And it's also not a callousness. You know, when I'm working and, and doing a lot of things, I build up calluses on my hands, and I'm kind of glad I have calluses sometimes. That means I'm doing something with my hand, and those calluses form uh, in order for where there's a soft spot. Uh, when you rub it enough, it's gonna the skin's going to get a little thicker there. It's going to get a little harder there so that uh, it will be better protected uh, and 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 
builds up something there to keep that softness, that feeling from, from being there. Well, we can do that to our hearts. We can build up a callousness in our hearts. In fact, this is one of the main objectives of some people that people that want to change society or change ways of thinking. They know when you first see something or first hear something, uh, it will be it will shock your system, and you'll say, "Oh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't sound good. That's not right." But if you hear it enough. If you hear it often enough, if you hear it in different ways, uh, and if they keep putting it in front of you, eventually you get desensitized to that. You build up a callousness to that. And that's not what John is talking about either, the fact that you have become calloused to uh, the things that aren't of God. And and it's also not just a, a sense of an inner peace, that you feel okay about it. And that's really what all those things talk about. I'll share this example. A number of years ago, I was doing some a sermon series on moral issues of our day, and I was dealing with abortion. And I read several articles um, during that time. One of the articles that I read uh, was an article by this young lady who was wrestling with whether she got a, uh, should have a, an abortion or not. And in that article, I remember she said she prayed about it. And she prayed to try to see, you know, what, what should I do here? And she said, I prayed about it, I had a peace about my decision, and I had the, uh, the abortion. And now, again, a lot goes into abortion, and we're not condemning uh, those that have abortion. We, we know that that's a, uh, a struggle, and we ought to find ways to uh, help encourage those people in the right way, in the proper way. What they did, did was wrong. It is taking a human life. Um, but the point of this, uh, that, that illustration and what stuck with me for all these years uh, is that she prayed and she came to a a peace about it, and supposedly that was a peace from God. But obviously, God's word says no. You don't take a human life. You don't take uh, so, uh, another life. And um, one of the things I heard just recently, I just happened to come across uh, uh, a, a short video on somebody def- um, uh, defending the. Um, right to life issue uh, of abortion. And, you know, when we, when we think about when does life begin, well, as soon as that um, egg is, is, is fertilized, there's a brand new DNA in there. And that DNA no longer is the, the, the mother's DNA solely. It's, it's, it's a new life. Uh, and so if the DNA is different, then it's not, you know, just, just that right. Again, I won't, I won't go down that rabbit trail any longer, but the point of that, uh, this whole uh, dialogue here was the fact that she had an inner peace about what she did, but it, it was not God's word and it was not God's will. So we're not talking about when we talk about our hearts not condemning us. It's, it's none of those things. It's not just somehow making it okay in your own mind, and your own rationalization. At the heart of what John is saying here, it's an inner submission to God's will. As I said a few moments ago, it's not where it's a, I've got to do this to somehow make God happy, uh, and you do it kind of begrudgingly. You do it with a, with a hard heart and, and a wrong attitude. It's, I've shared this many other times as well. It's, it's the little boy that his mother said, sit down. He says, I want to stand up. And she said, sit down. He says, I want to stand up. And she says, if you don't sit down, you're going to uh, get in trouble. And so he sat down and he kind of glared at her. And he said, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, sometimes that's how we uh, approach God's word. It's like, I don't want to do this, no, and, and, and eventually we do it, but it's, it's this kind of begrudging kind of attitude. That's, none of that is what John is talking about here. He says you're obeying God's word. You're seeking to please him because it's the right thing to do, because that's your heart and that's your attitude. And so when he talks about a heart not condemning us, 
uh, again, that's so fundamental to, to understanding what our relationship with, with God is. It, it's a transformation of our hearts and our lives. And so he goes on from talking about that and, and having that confidence. What, what brings that confidence is it talks about being obedient to his commands because you desire to be obedient to his, man, his commands. And he gives that promise there, that promise of what I call positive, powerful prayers. You can ask and you can receive. Now, again, let's unpack this for just a minute together. This is not a name it and claim it, that if you just believe it enough or believe hard enough or ask long enough, that somehow it's going to happen. No, it's really the truth that we know from God's word, from, from all of God's word. Going back to Psalm 37, listen to what the psalmist writes here. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. I like that term, befriend faithfulness. Make faithfulness uh, a companion to you on a regular basis. But he says, befriend faithfulness. Then he goes on in verse 4. He says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Now, a lot of people take that second part of verse 4 saying, well, God's going to give me the desire of my heart. God wants to make me happy. Well, yes, God does want to make you happy, but the way he wants to make you happy is by delighting in him. Because when we learn to truly delight in God, that's where we try to that's where we truly find our fulfillment our our true happiness it's not in just getting our way doing our thing and our time and we have a society today uh, that really struggles with this we want to make let everybody do whatever they want to do and that kind of this live and let live attitude and it doesn't matter what it looks like and, and that just gets us into a mess it ties us up in knots because uh, that just doesn't work it never has worked never will work And so what the psalmist was saying thousands of years ago was saying, delight yourself in the Lord. Give yourself fully to the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your hearts because your desires will be his desires, which is where you will find true happiness. Uh, Matthew Henry spoke to this uh, on a little bit different terms, but uh, uh, speaking of, of, of this same delighting in God, he says this. He says, obedient souls are prepared for blessings, and they have promise of audience. I like that term. Obedient souls are prepared for blessings. They're ready to get God's blessing, and they have a promise of God's audience, of that God's going to hear them. But then he goes on to say this, those who commit things displeasing to God cannot expect that he should... Um, that he should please them in, in hearing and answering their prayers. Uh, so Matthew Henry is saying the same thing that these verses are saying. When we're obedient to God, when we truly please him, then our hearts are going to be in tune with his heart. He's not going to, we're not going to try to make him in tune with our heart, but we're going to get in tune with his heart. And when we do this, we have that promise of his audience. He's going to hear and he's going to respond and we're going to truly get what, uh, what, what our hearts desire when it pleases God. So we have that promise of confidence for God. We have this promise of an audience from God that he hears our prayers and responds to God's prayer. And it's all based upon following God's commands. Now, let me just hit on this just real, real quickly here. This is not a works-based mentality. Uh, It's not that if you do enough good things, God's going to come before you, uh, come and do the things you want him to do. Uh, That's nowhere in Scripture. Uh, Whenever we're talking about what we are supposed to do, uh, it's the overflow. It's the life of thankfulness. So it's not a works-based mentality, but a transformed life mentality that we are truly changed from the inside out and what we do. And so what are the two basic commands that we're given in these verses? Love God, 
Okay, believe in his name, believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, so love God and love others. Uh, that's, that should sound pretty familiar. Uh, all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, all tell the story of a scribe that came up to Jesus one day, uh, and he asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And the way Jesus responded to, the, to that question was, this is from Mark's gospel, uh, the most important one is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Uh, so here, the scribe is getting close. He, he, he's not to the point of truly trusting in Christ, but he's at least understanding it. And what is it that Jesus says? Love God, love others. What does John say? Love God, truly trust in him, love others. Uh, just one more quick here, uh, example of this here, what are the Ten Commandments? There's Ten Commandments. I'm not going to go through all ten right now, uh, but the Ten Commandments are love God, love others. Commandments one through ten, uh, I'm sorry, one through five are about loving God. Uh, the fifth one there is honor your father and your mother. They are the authority figures over you, and uh, that, that helps you to understand who God is. And then the others, starting really in five again, I think five is a bridge commandment to, to, to both, uh, is how do we love others? So that's the basics of God's commands. If you want to know, and we can dig into this sometime uh, in more depth later, but that's the basics of what it looks like to, to follow God's commands, putting him first, making him priority in everything, and then when he's priority in everything, then you'll truly relate to others in a right and proper way. I'm going to end with this here, verse 24. Uh, the confirmation of this confidence in our lives is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit comes and works in our lives. Jesus says, I have to leave so that the Spirit can come. Uh, and that was by design, by the way he desired to um, have things happen. And so uh, the book of Acts talks about the works of the Spirit, you know, how that works. And Jesus Christ is at work as well through all of, uh, all of the book of Acts. But here's some of the things the Holy Spirit does for us. If you go to John's Gospel, John chapters 14 through 16, really 14 and 16, uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit teaches us, he counsels us, he he helps us. He convicts us of, of sin. Uh, in Ephesians 1, love this, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal of our salvation. Uh, much as an engagement ring is given to um, a, a woman by a man, he says, I promise I'm going to marry you. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives as God's seal for us, saying that I, we are his and he's going to come back for us. And then in Acts chapter 8, really throughout all of Acts, we see that the Holy Spirit guides us. Uh, so the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and when we are in God's Word, understanding His truths, when we are seeking to follow Him, uh, He's going to convict us of that truth. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us this, since we live in the Spirit, since the Spirit lives in us and, and works in us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The commandment is to faithfully follow God in all that we say and all that we do. So when we look at these four verses, again, we can spend a lot more time even than we have today on these, but there's a lot of great truths in there.
A lot of great promises. The promise is that we can, we can be confident before God, and we can know that he's going to answer our prayers. Uh, but it's based upon the fact that we are faithful to him, that we love his word, that we love him, love his commands, and we make that the desire of our heart. And when we do that, the Spirit's going to lead us, guide us, direct us, and we can have that confident living in our lives. This is very much needed in each one of our individual lives. It's very much needed in our society. Let's go out and let's commit ourselves to living for him because we love him and because we know that he loves us. I hope you'll join me next week. Uh, hopefully you'll join us even this Sunday in, in worship. I'll be back in Jeremiah this week uh, looking at uh, some of these truths that kind of coincide a little bit with these truths that we've been looking at here about knowing God's truth and following God's truth. Have a great week. Pray you'll have a blessed uh, week this week. Let's end our time together in prayer. Father, we come before you, and we do again thank you for this word. Help us to understand the, the truths here, not just the words, but help us to understand the truth in these words and how they apply to our lives. Help us to have that confidence that only you can give, um, and, and it's given through uh, obeying you and seeing you work faithfully. Help us to befriend faithfulness in our lives here today, trusting in you fully in all that we say and do. It's in your Son's most holy name that we pray. Amen.